0: The second scripture reading this morning comes from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ if anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See, what large letters I use as I write this to you with my own hand. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Let's pray one more time. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to the truths that you have given us through your word. As we respond to your scripture, Lord, I pray that you would... Use it to show us your will for our lives, to guide our actions so that they might bring you glory. And Lord, for myself, I pray that my words would not be mine, but that they would do nothing but bring you glory and praise. Lord, use this time to draw us closer to you through Jesus Christ. Amen. This passage in Galatians is one of my favorites because Paul does a really interesting and uh, such a human thing right here at the end of it. Just to emphasize his point, he says, look at how big I'm writing. This means that it's important. He bolded this section just to draw people's attention to it. It was so important that he wrote it with his own hand instead of narrating to a scribe. So this is something that we need to focus on, that we should take seriously and consider readily. Over the past several weeks, we've been talking about the renewal that God has made possible in our lives. After all, we worship a God who we say is making all things new, and that includes you and me. But we also know that the things that we do repeatedly, the practices and habits and disciplines that we keep, are the things that guide the direction of our lives. They are the things that determine the people that we become. And so, we have been talking about the habits and practices that we as Christians can can embrace to better know this renewal that God makes available. We've talked about how important it is to study scripture, to pray continuously, what it means to live a worshipful life, both when we're together and in our own day-to-day experiences. And we talked about using fasting and self-control to remember the seriousness and magnitude of God's grace. And the fact that in him we have sustenance beyond what we could ever have here. This week we're going to keep talking about these practices, but we're going to look at something a little bit different. We're going to talk about the practice of fellowship. Of coming together, not just from one moment to the next. Not just in worship settings, but truly sharing our lives together in Christian community. Because... Even though it might seem strange to call that a habit or a practice, it's so easy to fall away from that, to drift into ourselves and away from each other. And friends, healthy faith can't grow in a vacuum. When I was living in Texas, I had a drive that was about an hour each way every day. That's a lot of time. Uh, and I definitely didn't feel like using that time just to think about things. And I quickly grew tired of hearing the same couple of songs on the radio, so I had to find something else to fill my time. And at first, I just turned to audiobooks, which was great. But I kind of started to get burnt out on those, too, so I started looking for other ways to fill that time, and what I found were podcasts. Just these little... Uh, sort of programs that people published online that you could listen to. Anybody can start one. Most of them aren't very good, but some of them are really good. So I tried a bunch of different ones, but uh, at, at some point, me and Kelsey, my wife, um, got into listening to true crime podcasts. We loved the solved mas- uh, cases, but we also enjoyed the unsolved ones. There was uh, something exciting about, trying to hear about, the, or about hearing the detectives try to solve these cases and solve these mysteries. I listen to them from all around the world, from uh, local ones, from Texas to uh, an Australian podcast. I know more about Australia because of that than uh, anybody would ever uh, need to hear. But as we listen to these, I realized that some of these people who were publishing these podcasts had other ones. And one of these companies published a podcast on cults. And so I spent some time listening to that, and I was fascinated. Because as I listened to these stories about these groups that just kind of got more and more out there, all I could think was, okay, why didn't somebody say something? When, when this guy stopped hanging out with people from his church and started talking a lot about aliens, why didn't somebody say something? And quickly, as I listened to more of these stories, what I realized was that this was happening in every single one of these cases because people were retreating back into their own minds instead of going to their community. See, trying to do faith alone is how you get these strange and unusual cults. It's how we got heresies in times long past, people who forget the central teachings of the church. And if nothing else, retreating back to yourself is at least going to yield irrelevance. From the very beginning, after all, Christianity has been a community-based faith. Jesus had disciples that went with him as they traveled across the nation. Across the countryside from town to town, performing miracles and proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God was here. He did this with a group of friends and followers. And those followers who became the apostles after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven, they worked together too. They weren't bound together just by Jesus' presence. They were bound together by faith and community that was built around what Jesus had done. And so before they went off to do their ministries all around the world, they came together to figure out what it meant to be in Christian community and service. They planned, and then they went to plant their churches. And as they did the work of ministry, they came back together, too. As these questions came up about what do we believe and what should we be doing, they gathered back together to answer those critical questions. Local churches in that time, too, were guided not as individuals but as groups. We see this in Paul's letters. He writes them not to people individually but For the most part, he writes them to churches as a whole. They would have been meant to be read aloud to all of the people gathered together so that as a group, as a community, they could be guided in the right direction. After all, Christian love is best shown in relationships and in communities. Paul explains this and demonstrates this in his letter to the Galatians. He shows that the Spirit uses us to lead one another in faith. He does this by writing a letter of truth to a church. He tells them, he writes to them to say, these are the things that you need to know. These are the things that are true, and how we can follow Christ in the best way that we can. But he also explains to them how they can do the same thing to one another. He he tells them, lift one another out of sin, gently. Teach each other the truth. Correct each other when you're wrong. And be open to being corrected yourself. And above all else, when these relationships start to break down, do the work to restore them, even when it feels like someone has wronged you. Now this last part is hard. It's not something that makes sense a lot of times for us to do. A lot of times it it would be so much easier just to cut somebody off, to cut them out of your life. And in truth, everything in our world tells us that we should be thinking about ourselves more than anything else. But the law of Christ is the law of love. And that is what we're bound to. We see this in Jesus' own words in Matthew, when he's telling the people how to handle conflict with one another. Like I said, this is hard, but Jesus calls us time and time again to do the hard things, because they're often the best things. Now, keep in mind that this process that Jesus lays out probably wasn't meant for minor issues. It wasn't meant for uh, just somebody said the wrong thing to me, and it kind of made me upset. Rather, the assumption here is that we're going to have a posture of forgiveness and charity in those kinds of things. But rather, these are things that are serious spiritual issues, things that we uh, need to know uh, need to be corrected in in order to be in good relationship with God. But with that known, when somebody is falling short or wronging one another in ways that show spiritual problems, we're called first to go to them one-on-one, as brothers and sisters in Christ, recognizing that this person, too, is a child of God. And if that doesn't work, if they won't listen to us, then we're called to come with friends and respected fellow church members Not to corner them, but to restore that relationship. The goal here isn't to win. It's to repair the relationship and keep everybody moving in the right direction towards the perfection that Christ has made possible for us. And if that, too, doesn't work, then we're called to bring in leaders from the church, people who have recognized authority, people who we know can teach who knows scripture, who know the teachings of God. This can be me. This can be a Sunday school teacher. This can be somebody who's been a part of the church for a long time and who can be seen as a spiritual guide, so long as it's someone who knows what they're talking about. All of this is meant to make real efforts to restore the relationship. That's what's at the heart of this. And at the end of it, Jesus tells what, is, what seems at first glance to be a harsh consequence. He says, if none of this works, then treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. But for as harsh as that sounds, we have to remember how Jesus treated pagans and tax collectors. He continued to go to them, to eat with them, to show them love and mercy and kindness And then, when they were ready to come back and be restored to right relationship with God, he forgave them. Some of his apostles were tax collectors, we have to remember. See, ours is a community that's built on love. The love of Jesus, which leads us to love one another. One of the best ways that we can show this love, in addition to helping guide one another, is by supporting one another in difficult times. It's by sharing our burdens. Now, this this requires something on both ends. A lot of times when we talk about sharing burdens, we think about going to people who are hurting. And that's definitely true. But it also means being willing to share our own burdens with other people. To know that we don't have to do this alone, but that we're a part of a community that's built on love. It means asking hard questions, going deeper than just, oh, how are you today? And it means giving hard answers that go deeper than, fine, how are you? It means being willing to open up to one another to know what is really happening in each other's lives so that we can share in the burdens and share in the celebrations. It means praying together. We are a prayerful church. I've been blessed to know that this church is one that is steeped in prayer. And I want to encourage you to continue in that. But I also want to remind you that something that's even more powerful than saying, I will pray for you, is asking, can we pray right now? There's power when you know that someone is hurting, when somebody is in need, to say, let's sit down and pray together to the God that we both worship, who we know is here. And sometimes, showing that we're showing one another how we're sharing burdens means meeting real basic challenges. Sometimes Christian love looks like taking someone a casserole when there's too much going on for them to cook for themselves. But our love as Christians isn't just inward-focused. It's not something that's meant to stay within the walls of our church, nor are the burdens that we share After all, each of us bears the burden of service to the kingdom of God. And so as we as a community are built up in faith and love, we share that burden of service as well. Faith, love, and community, after all, just build up on one another. As we grow in faith, we grow in love. And as we grow in love, we grow in community, As our faith becomes deeper, we find ourselves transformed to be more like Jesus. Christian, after all, just means little Christ. And as we're transformed, as we grow in faith and love, in this community that's built on the love of Jesus Christ, we find that the love that we have is an active one. It's one that hears Jesus' words when he says, Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. It's a love that, like Jesus, seeks out those who feel left out or forgotten or alone. It's a love that cares for the sick and the troubled and the grieving. And it's a love that cares enough about our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage one another To continue to grow in faith. To correct one another when we're wrong and be corrected when we're wrong. After all, our community is built on this love. On shared worship of God. It's built on helping one another grow in faith in a world that seeks at every opportunity to crush it. It's built on serving the Lord by serving each other, even when the world tells us that we should only care about ourselves. Or at the very least, that we should mainly care about ourselves. So friends, as we go out from here, I want to invite you to continue to pray for each other and to be unafraid to ask if you can pray with each other as well. I want to encourage you to correct and encourage one another and to be open to correction and encouragement yourself. And above all else, as we go out as servants of the kingdom of God to help one another serve, as we're called. After all, that's what we mean when we ask that God makes us one with each other, one in the spirit and one in service to all of the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.